small. It is a series where we're talking about how daily continuous action can lead to extraordinary outcomes. This week, the world uh, mourned the death of this lady, Miss Aretha Franklin, right? The Queen of Soul, first lady inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't know that until this week. And when you think about her, I mean, she's 76 years old. She'd been singing for a long time, and yet it seems like every generation tends to know a few songs that this lady brings to the table, right? I mean, most everybody knows how to belt out the, you make me feel, right? Everybody kind of knows the natural woman song, and everybody knows R-E-S-B-C. Yeah, I mean, but here's what I want you to think about. Those songs, along with many others, she first began to sing in the late 60s. I'll say that again, the late 60s, like 67, 68. That means she's been singing those songs for 50 years. I know that. I know that exactly. Exactly. 50 years she's been singing those songs. Do you know how many times that means she spelled respect? <laughs> and yet when you hear Aretha Franklin sing, you walk away from that moment with this wow factor. And I'm saying I'm fascinated by such people who 
continue to bring themselves over and over again, but by bring themselves, I mean they don't just show up physically, but they bring their heart to the matter over and over again. Last week, we began to talk about ant power. Ant power are small things repeated. Small things that are done again and again. And just, just to review to get you in this week, I mean, we, we talked about that the real differences tend to be made in life not with these kind of links in the chain, right? I mean, can I tell you how many guys this week said that was the coolest thing, <laughs> right? That was the coolest thing, Jeff. Where did you find that? Not one female asked me that question. Not one. Just so you know, guys, all right, they are interested in smaller rings, all right? Smaller rings, that's, that's what they, but every guy's like, that's so cool. But here's the point. It's not the big push. That's typically not how you see the greatest influence take place through a person's life. It is ant power. It is, it is, I choose a daily action, the next day the daily action, the next day daily action, and you just continue the chain, and you don't break the chain. And it's those continued daily repeated actions that bring about extraordinary outcomes. This week, school. And so we talked about for parents, what do you do? You, you get them up, you get them dressed, you get them fed, you get them out the door. And on Tuesday, you get them up, you get them dressed, you get them fed, you get them out the door. And on Wednesday, you get them up and you get them fed and you get them dressed and you get them out the door. It, it's repeated action. But when you do that for your children, there is this stability, there is this security, sameness is required. Ant power is Redundant, ant power is repetitious, ant power is powerful. It can be life-giving. But here's what I want to talk to you about today. It can also be exhausting. It can also be exhausting to bring yourself over and over again a consistent action, not just bringing yourself physically, not just a body that shows up, but when you bring your heart and the image for our life can end up looking like this. The tank is empty. The tank is empty. Let's return to the Proverbs first today. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, reads this way. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Now, I told you last week, the book of Proverbs is right next to the book of Psalms. It's just this, this list of, of, of just wisdom. It's just incredible wisdom that are packed into these little short statements. And this is another one. You, a son who, who gathers crops in the summer, he, he's prudent, but, but one who sleeps during harvest, he, he is disgraceful. Why would anybody sleep during harvest? 
Why, why would anybody sleep during harvest? And, and I think sometimes the answer might be lazy, right? Sometimes it would be lazy. If, if it's a person that's lazy, they don't care when it is. They're just going to sleep whenever. But sometimes the answer is tired. Tired. Let me paint the picture for you. Today, when we think harvest, we think something like this. Ain't she beautiful? Feel like I should just carry this around, right? I mean, if I carry this and show you this, I mean, I mean, the technology that is attached to that, to that one machine, it, it is absolutely amazing today when we think about harvest and we think about what's available, but when the Proverbs were written, this is not how you harvest. When the Proverbs was written, this is how you harvest. It's called a sickle. And in order to use a sickle, you, you have to manually swing that sickle and cut the grain, which means there's a lot of bending over to, to get that job done. Let's just say that if this is your job, you can cancel the gym membership because you're going to get enough physical activity. There's, there's enough action going on in your life. When the sun rises, so do you. And all day long, you are bending over, swinging that sickle. You are cutting the grain. But when you get the grain cut, you're not done. Because once the grain is cut, then it needs to go to the threshing floor. Threshing floor was often a, a stone floor where, where they would bring that, that uh, grain together because now it's got to be separated. And in order to separate the good from the waste, they would often use what's called a threshing sledge. A, thresh, a threshing sledge was a board that they would drill holes into and then they would pound rocks into the holes of that board, and then a donkey or something like that would pull the threshing sledge across the top of that grain, and as the rocks and everything push together, it, it separates the wheat from the, from the chaff. And then you would take, you're still not done, you would take a, a pitchfork and you would toss it into the air in order for hopefully the wind to help to blow the chaff away. And at the end of that day, it's likely you would sleep right there at the threshing floor. Why would you do that? Because you don't want anybody taking what you just did. You don't want anybody taking all that you just put into all and over and over and over. That was the process. What leads to the greatest success can also lead to exhaustion. It can literally beat the chaff out of you. And it leaves you with the image of the empty tank. Those of us who make it the business of our lives to pour into other people. 
it can leave you tired. He's a plant manager. He's been managing this particular plant for 17 straight years. On this day, he drives into the lot. As he puts his car in park, he thinks about through that door. Today, there are going to be incredible, complicated decisions that need to be made. There are going to be incredible, complicated people to deal with. And as he turns his car off, he thinks about the thousands of times, thousands of times that he has pulled into that parking lot and he has walked through that door and he brings his best. He doesn't just show up, but, but he seeks to bring his best as he manages the people and as he manages the job. She's a physician. Let's say that on average she spends uh, 10 minutes per patient. That's six patients an hour. That's in an eight hours would be about 48 a day. Let's, there's always more, so let's just make it 50 because the math is easier too. That's 50 patients a day. That's 250 patients a week. If, if she works 48 weeks, because we'll, we'll give her some time away for different things, Right, that's, that's 12,000 patients a year. If she does it for 30 years, that's 360,000 times that she as a physician walks into a room with a smile on her face, not just bringing her body, but bringing her heart to say, how can I help you? It's over and over again. And the question we're wrestling with today is how do we sustain energy over time when we really do want to love and serve people? And the answer to that is good news. God has given us some gifts. God has given us gifts in order to do that. So to get the first one, we go back to the field. Let's go back to the proverb and let's go back to the field. We've got a wise Jewish son who is working in the field. So let's say it's, it's, it's Wednesday as the sun rises, so does he. He cuts the grain, he threshes the grain, he winnows the grain, he falls asleep. On Thursday, he gets up. Just with the sun again, he cuts the grain, he, he threshes the grain, he winnows the grain, he falls asleep. On Friday, he gets up again, he cuts the grain, he threshes the grain, he winnows the grain, he falls asleep. And on Saturday, he sleeps in. On Saturday, he will not pick up the sickle. Because this day is what's called the Sabbath. And we refer to it as the gift that God gives called Sabbath rest. And I'm telling you that Sabbath rest is one of the gifts that God gives to fill the tank again. Now, just in case you don't know, it's one of the big ten. Okay? Okay? You remember when God gave Ten Commandments and a part of those commandments were things like don't kill, kind of a big deal. Don't steal, kind of a big deal. 
right? Don't be messing with your neighbor's wife, kind of big deal. Well, along with that was rest. Sabbath, rest. Let me, let me read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Here's, here's what it says. Six days you shall labor. How many? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter. Interesting. Nor your male or female servant. Interesting. Nor your ox or your donkey or any of your animals. Not any foreigner residing in your town so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Now, how wild is that? This isn't just something for those most powerful. This, this isn't just something for those who, who had the wealth. God said this is to be something for everyone rest. And the, the way he, he paints the picture is six days, you go. And on the seventh, you stop. Go, 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 stop. And the next week, go, 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 stop. God says, I want you to do this. I want this to be for your kids. I want this to be for your employees, even your animals. They're going to go, 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 stop. Sabbath means, in a sense, stop. It means to cease. It is to rest. It is to put the sickle down. It is to get off of the work treadmill. This is going to mess with some of y'all. It's supposed to be like one day of vacation a week. I'm going to say it again. It's supposed to be like one day of vacation a week. Now, I want to encourage you to understand... I, I think the Bible makes this clear too. Now, where we stand after Jesus, a cross, a resurrection, whatever day you 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 have to make your day of rest, it's okay. It's okay. For for me, if this is a calendar week and we're going Sunday, mine doesn't look like this because my Sabbath is not on Saturday. And my Sabbath is not on Sunday. It's not. That is not the day that I rest. Those are not the days. And so for me, it's on about a Friday most of the time. So go, 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 stop. And then go, 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 stop. It's just a different day. The point is, it's the day not measured by how much we get done. Repeat, it's the day that is measured not by how much we get done. And it really can be whatever day, but it needs to be a day because God says this is a big deal. He even puts it in the big ten. You're not built to not rest. You're like, well, I don't even know what I would do. I don't, I don't even know how to rest. Come on. For some of you, what, what, what really, what is the thing that refreshes you? For some of you, maybe 
it looks kind of like this. It's, it's just a walk. Like to go on a walk. Not where you're keeping a pace and counting the calories. But just a walk. It's been a long time since some of you just walked. Taking in what you see around you. The beauty of what God's created. Just walk. Y'all know I'm a, I'm a pyro, right? So, so for me, rest, I, I like this. Whether it's inside in a fireplace or outside in a fire pit, I don't care. There's something about just that kick up your feet, relax, know where you have to go the next few whatever, just to be able to rest. For some of you, it's art, right? For some of you, 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 you like to paint or you like to work with wood or you like to sew or you like, I'm not talking about I got to get 10 of these done for what, no, I'm talking about it's just, it's what you enjoy. It, it's, what, it's what refreshes you. For some of you, maybe it's a, it's a meal. There's just people gathered around a table and you're just enjoying those friendships. Some of us, get to the Sabbath. And the problem is, we simply change our to-do list. On the Sabbath, on your Sabbath, on the day of rest, you simply change your to-do list from what you got to do at work to what you got to do at home. And so when you wake up that morning, you know there's 15 things that have to get done. They have to get done, and, and the list has to be run. And I'm saying that is not the picture of what God is talking about when, when he talks about rest. He's not. We just changed the to-do list. That's, we got a bad habit of doing that. I'm saying we need to be more intentional about moving those things into the other days. Seriously, the things that, that you got to do at home, the things that move them into the other days when, when you got to work already. And then I know this is crazy, but there just may be some things that don't get done every week. I know, it's crazy. But God says you got to rest. You got to rest. Don't change your to do list. It's supposed to day, be the day when there is no to do list. It's supposed to be the day that you get up and there's, there's no way that you have to be and there's nothing that you have to do. It's the stuff that you get to do. Well, that's a fight, isn't it? I get it. It is for me, too, because that whole thing I showed you about the Fridays, that doesn't work half the time. It doesn't work half the time. I'm moving into a season here within a few weeks where there will be, there will be five straight Saturdays of a wedding that I, that I will have, which usually means Fridays are rehearsals. I get it. I'm, I understand what you're saying. Life doesn't stop just because you want to push the stop button, right? And, and stuff still happens and, and, and things. And, and so that's okay. I love the fact people having weddings, it's celebration. It's beautiful things happening in their lives. And, and we get to be a part of that. All that's okay as long as I actually believe God and will actually adjust to rest like he says rest. Some of you have been taught that a day off is lazy. God did not teach you that. 
And whoever taught you that is not the authority that God is. God did not teach you that. He said, you need to rest. And you got to decide, are you going to follow man's advice or are you going to follow God's command, which is actually a gift? When God says rest, is he trying to hold you back? No. He's building you up. He's refilling the tank. Now, I realize when I say this to small kids, to, to uh, parents with small kids, right, set your work aside, and you're like, are you kidding me, right? Because your, your small kids are a part of your work. They are. I mean, seriously, and if you don't know that, you've either never had them or it's been a long time since you've had them because when you got small kids, they are a part of your work, and you're like, seriously, set work aside? The house will burn down. My point is, though, it's still possible to set aside certain days where even though you still have to attend to the work, you still got to take care of your kids. But isn't it different on a day you don't have to rush? It's different on a day that you don't have to get the 14 things done with each child that need to get done to rush out the door. A day where you don't have to be. It's a day where you get to be. A month that looks like this that's what some of your months look like. Go, 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 right? It'll, it's going to drain you. What if God designed days of rest to punctuate weeks of work, and that Sabbath rest is a part of filling up the tank? I want to challenge you to believe God. I do. As much as you've got to get done, as many responsibilities as you have, I want to challenge you to believe God. And I want to challenge you to work at this. I want to challenge you. Start it, right? Get a week, right? Get the calendar. Get the calendar. And it's like, I I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. Start the chain. Second week, I I'm going to rest. I know it almost sounds crazy that we got to do that, but, but start the chain and then don't break the chain. I, I challenge you to believe God and rest and watch how he uses that gift to refill the tank. Now, that should have been worth the price of admission today, that you would come somewhere and somebody would try with all their heart to get you to rest. Is that not refreshing? Listen to me. That's God. That's God. Trust him in those things. Gift number two. Gift number two. Not only Sabbath rest, but refreshing people. Refreshing people. Let me tell you a story. This is a true story. David in the Bible. If you're new to, to, to the Bible, new to church, David is the one who, who kills the, the Goliath, the giant. You probably heard that story. Well, this is the same David. Eventually, he becomes king of God's people. And at the end of his reign, there is a story told about David where there is a coup attempt that is almost successful against him. 
There's this guy that builds an army around himself. He marches on the city of Jerusalem, the capital city where, where, where David w- would be, and the people are behind this guy. Now, are you ready for this? It's one of David's sons. Okay, that's a bad day. That's a bad day. That's a bad day when you get the news that Absalom, your own son, has gathered an army and the people are behind him and he is marching on the capital city. Here he comes. What we're told is David and the royal family have to run. They have to run. This is not pack your bags and get them in the chariot quickly. This is everybody out the door. We are running for our lives. They flee from the city of Jerusalem. This is reactionary. Imagine the emotion. There are kids involved. The whole family's involved. Off they go. And when they get to their destination at the end of the day, which not only must this be incredibly physically draining, but imagine the emotion of David, a dad whose son has chosen to take such action at that moment, that night, The Bible tells us that three dudes show up. Three dudes show up. And I have found that that most church people don't even know the names of the three dudes. Shobi, Makir, and Barzillai. Shobi, Makir, and Barzillai. They show up. And you know what they do? Check this out, Second Samuel. They brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds, sheep and cheese from the cow's milk for David and his people to eat, for they said, the people have become exhausted and hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. Isn't that a great story? How come we don't tell that Bible story all the time? Right? We we always talk about a giant falling. How, How come we never tell this story all the time? There is something about that scene that ought to move our heart. Here is someone that you, would, you have to qualify this as one of the rock bottom moments in David's life. I mean, this is, this is one of those days where you're just wondering how much worse could it possibly get and what happens? God sent people to say, David, you and your family are not alone. I'm telling you that when your tank is empty... God will often send refreshing people to fill your soul again. It's the mom with preschoolers, and her friend just stops by and says, you know what, let me hang out with them for a little bit. You you go, 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 go get you a cup of coffee or take a nap, but I got this. That's a friend. That's, that's a friend. 
Some of you may know this in a work setting that you're in where, where the work itself is incredibly draining, but the people you work with are wonderful. What you have to do is complicated. There are some days it just, like your, your head is just spinning with the task that is at hand, but you work with great people. And it is that refreshing aspect. Some of us have draining lives. Some of us find ourselves busy. And this is where we choose to cut. It's if I don't have more time, then what we do is we actually isolate ourselves from one of the very gifts that God has given us to refresh. I just don't have time to, to have a night where, where we have these friends over. We just don't have time to be able to go out on, on this night and enjoy dinner together. We just don't have time. This is where we tend to cut, and this is actually a part of where the refreshment comes from. And so, I, I mean, I think this time of year, I think a teacher's a grade school kids, oh my word. What a calling. Teachers of grade school kids who walk in that classroom day after day, they bring it day after day. I'm talking about they don't just, not just bodies showing up, but they bring their heart. And there are some days you walk away going, I, oh, uh, I, uh, that's it. It's just crazy. I think, I think about people who do things like marriage counseling, thank God for them. But think about their job. They listen day after day after day to what is typically selfish action. I, I, I think about people like social workers. Thank God for social workers, but most of them only are called to task in the middle of brokenness. It's what they deal with all the time. And if you're not careful, right, you chose a particular field because, because you had this passion and you, you wanted to, to make a difference. You, you wanted to make an impact. You wanted there to be influence upon the lives of others. But now you find yourself counting down the days to retirement like an inmate who is waiting for the next parole meeting. That's not life. That's not the life that Jesus called you to. And the renewal plan is not channel surfing. The renewal plan is not your phone. What often happens when we are discouraged and when we start to, to feel depressed is we have a tendency to cocoon and we close ourselves off from the very gift that God gives us to refill the tank. Sometimes you gotta force yourself. Sometimes you gotta tell yourself, we are going to make time for the refreshing friendships in our life. We're gonna do it. If we gotta put it on the calendar, we're gonna put it on the calendar, but God has given us good friends. And, and we're going to spend time together. By the way, this is just a side note, if you have a friend group and there is a disposition in that friend group toward angry complaint, you know what I'm talking about? When you get together, the conversation always seems to go there and it just, in the end, it ends up draining you. I am giving you the freedom today. It might be time to expand your friend group. It really might be. Because there is nothing wrong with visiting discouragement. That's where friends are beautiful. 
I, I love the friends that you can lean into them when you are discouraged, and, and they, they are okay with that. They know that that's a part of their role. They, they are shelter for you. They help you when you're going through difficult times. It's okay to visit there, but you can't live there all the time. And some of us need to work on being the kind of friends that understand how to balance. And there are times that we need to say to our friends, I am struggling. But then there are other times we need to be intentional about feeding them what we see to be the hope around us and the encouragement around us and the beautiful things around us. Maybe you are one of those people that your tendency is to always to see the stuff that is wrong. Right? And everything you see is wrong. You'd think in my world it would be different, but it's not. Church, church, I mean, church leaders are the same way sometimes in terms of, I'm saying, pastors, and they, they, they are taught to see everything that is wrong, and it's like somebody could have a successful whatever, but we're going to find the five things that we would do differently. How about we leave that to God, and let's celebrate what he's doing through people's lives, and then we let him change that stuff that, that we think should be done differently at times. I'm just saying, let's be refreshing people so that others can be refreshing for you. One more. The third gift that God gives us, not just Sabbath rest, not just refreshing people, but he gives us himself. He gives us himself. We got, we got Jesus. Let's read a little bit. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, it's disciples with Jesus. It says, then because so many people, so many people, so many people were coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. So many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He, as Jesus, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's Jesus. Man, this is why that chair that we talked about last week, just you and God, just you and Jesus, that is why this is so important, that everyday quiet place, you and him, Jesus. How about an invitation from the king of the universe? Okay, come on, just you and me, just you and me. Let, let's spend some quiet moments together. I, I want you to have rest. Let me, let me give you another one, Matthew chapter 11. Many of you have heard this. Um, the problem is we're still tired. Here's what it says, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most of you know a yoke was one of those big wooden deals that they would put across the animals to be able to to control them and to make the animals work. Most of the time, religion is about figuring out how much more you have to work, how much more you have to do in order to get in. That's what most religion is. 
How much more do I have to do? How much more do I have to work? What, what else do I need to do to earn, to be able to get in, to be able to measure up? How much harder do I need to work? But when it comes to Christianity, the anchor point for us is a cross and an empty tomb because it represents the truth that Jesus has poured it out for us. He does the work. He measured up on our behalf. The cross means I and you are infinitely loved by him. So, for a lot of people, they are bringing their life over and over, bringing their life over and over. I have got to be a partner in the firm by the time that I turn 40. That is the goal that I have set. Uh, My kids have got to behave better in public. They they just, I am embarrassed by it. They have got to behave better in public. I I have got to get the right people to to be my friends. And all of that can be a drive to measure up. All of that can be work searching for value. And the rest that Jesus gives is the fact that he measured up for you. He gives his life for you. He now comes to live within you that now you can pour out your life because you are loved by him. It is the gift of himself. It is the gift of himself that you are walking with Jesus, being loved by him. Now, we have seen this over and over again over the last several months. For whatever reason, God just kind of keeps putting it right in our face. Is, Is loving him what we are supposed to be about? Absolutely, but it doesn't start with us loving him, does it? It starts with how much he loves us. And when I'm in that chair just me and him, and I'm zeroed in on what his word is telling me about his heart and his sacrifice, his faithfulness and his love. I'm being reminded of how much he loves me. I don't need to be driven by a threat that I'm trying to outrun. I want to be driven by a love that makes me want to run to him. I would call you to dedicate yourself to a life poured out. But along the way, you got to access the gifts that God has given you to refill the tank. You need a day of rest. You need refreshing friends. And none of that, none of that goes anywhere without a relationship with Jesus. There is sort of a, a warning that I want us to pay attention to, though. It's, uh, we've been talking about a full tank, empty tank. This is kind of like the check engine light that comes on on your dash, and you decide to take a piece of tape and put it over the top of the light so that it's not really flashing, right? Here's, here's the warning. We live, we live in, a, in, a, in a world for us that is more leisure and less rest. That's our world. That's what's deceiving to us often. What we often call rest is really just an access to leisure, but it's really not rest. We live, we, there is much leisure available, but, but we really don't rest. We, we, we work differently than the generations before us. They did not need gym memberships because the physical aspect of work was different 
you know, in many regards than it is for a lot of us today. We have everything at our fingertips. We really do. I mean, as simple as a phone that, that you hold, that, that, that it is a part of leisure. It is a part of leisure. With your phone, you can punch a few buttons and you can order dinner. They'll cook it and bring it quickly, right? It, it's, it's all at your fingertips. You, you could, you, but you could, you could call friends to come to dinner, right? You, you could call friends to come to dinner. I mean, there's some good, you can talk to your family. You could, you could see your grandkids. Some of you got grandkids that live in other places, and I mean, you can, just, you, you can, you, you can see them. It's a beautiful thing, but some of us are captive, captive to something as simple as a phone. We are. And a part of it's because you have friends who think they need to inform you when they're waiting in line at Taco Bell. Really? There's no app for building deep, meaningful relationships. And this device that is designed for connection, man, it really can keep us superficially connected with a ton of people. But it's a distraction in our life. I pray that we eventually grow to the place that maybe we're not afraid that instead of, some of you got some, some good habits of you put the phone down at certain times, you put it down, maybe it's at dinner, maybe it's at whatever, you put the phone down at certain times of the day, I pray that eventually we can grow to the place that we're not afraid that sometimes we instead think in terms of there are only certain times a day that I pick it up. There are only certain times a day that I'll pick this up. Because there's a whole lot of times in my day it's just a distraction. It's just a distraction and it's keeping my heart away from the focus that it really, this, is, this, this really is a big deal. It is. We have, it's all at our fingertips. We can view anything we want from anywhere, anytime. We can just keep clicking our lives away. But that does not renew the tank. It doesn't fill you up again. It's a big deal because pouring out your life is a big deal. Jesus said, this is a big deal. This is, if you follow me, you're going you're gonna to love, right? You're going to serve one another. If you're not pouring your life out, you're not following Jesus. Seriously, if, if you're not pouring your life out, if you're, if you're not showing up both, both physically and with your heart, you're, you're not following Jesus. Life, life is to follow him is not called to a cocoon. This is not about play it safe. This is about follow the one who stretched out his arms, died on a cross for me. He poured out his life. He says, this is what it looks like to follow me. And maybe the reason you don't is because you did it one time, but now... The tank is empty, and you didn't know how to fill it back up. If you don't fill it up, eventually people quit. I've seen pastors quit a long time before they tell their churches. I watch spouses quit. I watch parents quit. When the tank is empty. But it doesn't have to be, because God has given you some incredible gifts to fill it up again. And the most amazing gift is himself. It's himself. So, when we close today, we're, we're going to celebrate a little more. We're going to sing. We're, we're going to um, sing the songs to our God. But before we do that, I want to just quickly kind of paint a picture for 
the rest of 2018 in regards to some things that we want to put before you to help us to know and to see Jesus. This gift of himself, of spending time with him, of zeroing in on what he's called us to. This Tuesday, August 21st, everybody say 21st. This Tuesday, August 21st, we really want to call us together to 40 days of prayer. 40 days of prayer. Now, that's not anything crazy because all through the Bible, we see there are times that, that, that such moments happen when, when God's people will spend a significant amount of time, like 40 days usually. And so, over the next 40 days, starting on Tuesday of this next week, we want to put out a, a scripture reference and simply a prayer focus, all right? Sometimes it might be something like the empty chair. Uh, other times it might be a specific need of, 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 of you know, a certain uh, need in, in lives. We, we will put out a specific prayer request, okay? And we're encouraging you to zero in on that text and to pray for 40 days that we do that together as a church, now, a lot of times when, when you do 40 days of prayer, people will also fast, and that freaks people out. It's like, I don't know what that means. Well, fasting just simply means that I am setting aside something else in order to focus on something that, I, that is more valuable. And when it comes to prayer and fasting, it's about I want to hear God's heart. I want to zero in on, on him. And so a lot of times it's associated with something like food. People will fast from a meal, maybe, in order to instead spend that time focused on him. I want to encourage you to think about that. Um, I, I want to call you to that. Maybe it's not food. Um, maybe it is um, something that, that you click on a regular basis. And you're going to say, instead of this hour that I typically spend a day watching this or doing this, I, I'm, I'm going to fast from that so that instead I can zero in on hearing God's heart. I, I want to pray, and I just I want, I want God um, more than anything else. I want him to fill my soul. All right? So, so 40 days, August the 21st, going to start this week. You can either go on the website, and we'll, we'll post the, the, the reference and the, and the specific you know, uh, prayer request that day, um, or we'll send it out Facebook. I mean, we'll do our best to, to just keep the information flowing, and you can, each day you can check it, and, and we'll pray together, 40 days, all right? 40 days takes us right up to the launch of a... Bible study that we're going to do in life teams across Heart of Life Church called Radical. And I'm telling you, it, it's good. It's not radical because it's something new. It's radical in the sense of how Jesus defines what it means to follow him versus how the church has, has sort, what the church has sort of made it to be is very different. And when you hear what Jesus really has to say, it, 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 it's radical. Um, and so we want to see over the next 40 days, um, new life teams form. We want to see as many people as possible jump in those relationships that, that eventually can grow to be that kind of refreshment in your life where people are pouring into one another, people taking care of one another, people loving one another. So over the next 40 days, we're praying that God would continue to expound that, that he would grow that together. And then from, from that point, which is basically October the 1st, you can think of it that way, it's September 30th, October 1st. That week, from that week till the rest of 2018, we're going we're gonna to walk through that Bible study together, life teams all across our church. I think it's going to be fantastic. But 
in that 40 days, not August 21st, but September 21st, we're going to do something that we've never done before. It is a very special event. I think it's going to be fantastic. I'll let you watch this, and then I'll tell you about it, and then we'll sing. Watch this. This year, 215 million Christians around the world will be forced to gather in secret. If they are caught, they could lose their homes. If someone finds out, their families could go to prison. They could even lose their lives. They are risking everything gather for fellowship, Bible study, and worship. September 21st. You realize that when most people meet to worship, they don't do it like we do. It's not the same place, same time every week because they do it under threat of losing their life, many people around the world, more than you realize. And so the way they do it is they move the place and they move the time. It, it's secret in that regard to keep them out of prison and to keep them from dying. And so we're going to do an event that kind of creates an atmosphere that kind of helps to, to move our hearts to recognize that truth about our brothers and sisters around the world. And so on September 21st, we're going to meet in that way. We'll start about dark because that's the way it would work. It would start under the, under the cover of darkness. And so it will start at dark, and as we get closer to the event, we'll tell you the place because it's still a month away and in the secret church, we wouldn't tell today where the place is. It's not because we don't know where the place is. It's because that's a part of how the process goes. You, you, you wait till you get closer, then the location is revealed. We will show up that night, uh, September the 21st. We will start about dark. And when you come together and it's actually a safe place, the way the church does it around the globe is they go. Not like leave, they, they go with it in the sense of we will probably be starting around 8-ish, and we're not going to stop for a while. We're going to hang out together on that night. Some of you have been around, you've you're, you're been around 15, 16, 17 years. You remember some things like shout or reach or go, some of those extended times we've had together as a family. Well, this is going to be kind of compressed into one night of doing that, and we'll start about dark, but I'm telling you, we, 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 we won't be done before midnight. It's going to be an extended time together. I'm going to unpack some teaching for you that 
um, the level of what I'm going to give you, it'll be a study guide that you'll be able to follow along. It would cost you hundreds of dollars to sign up for such a course at an institution to get the material that, that like what I'm going to give you that night. But along with that, we're going to worship. Along with that, we're going to pray. Along with that, we're going to have mission focus. It's going to be one of those nights that as God moves, we ain't got nowhere to go. The bell's not going to ring. We're just going to hang out with him for a while and just take an extended time together resting in him. That's going to be cool. Now, it's not built for kids. And that's why we're telling you today we're a month out. It's not built for kids because of that length of time, because of the design of what we're going to do. Start looking for, for child care. Start calling in the favors of everybody that owes you. Right? This is, this is the moment. They owe you. Call in the child care. Maybe you got family who can help with that. This might be one of those, hey, look, we're going to be late. It's going to be after, it's going to be after midnight or it, just go for it. It's like, how about we pick them up the next morning, right? Or the next afternoon. I mean, just go for it. Weekend, right? Hey, could you take care of our kids? Start now. Because that's kind of the biggest obstacle to this deal for, for many of you. But, but who can care for your kids so that you can spend this evening together with God's people, hanging out with the one that we're going to tell, we don't have anywhere to go. We're, we're here to be with you. And souls filled. I challenge you. Let's go after it. 40 days of prayer, secret church, radical. Let's run hard after the heart of our God. Let's pray. God, thanks for what you've taught us today. I, uh, I imagine that the majority in this room today, at least on a regular occasion, got it, they're tired. I thank you that you have given us these gifts. God, some of us quite familiar with the material, quite familiar with with what you've actually made available to us, but God, some of us need to begin to take some of those daily actions, weekly actions that start the chain, and then we don't break the chain, and God, we put ourselves in a position to experience the rest that you tell us comes from. A day of rest, refreshing friends, you. So God, may we put our energy, may we put our fight into fighting for those things that refresh, that we might pour out our lives. God, for those of us who've done it in the past, we found ourselves empty, now we protect. God, will you give us courage to walk it out again? This is what it means to follow you, and it's not burden. Uh, this is joy. This is life. Thank you for what you're going to do even this week. Thank you for your people. Thank you for their love. God, will you bless them this week as they walk it with you? It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Let's stand. We'll sing.